You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range, and A-Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, their ZDX is the most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Hello and welcome to the Two Robbies podcast, your destination for in-depth discussion and analysis of the Premier League, the Champions League and the Europa League. I'm Robbie Musto and he's Robbie Earl. Here are today's topics. VRL shocking Man United in the penalty kick shootout of the Europa League final, a preview of Saturday's Champions League final between Manchester City and Chelsea. And we are joined by Premier Lacrosse League founder Paul Rabel to discuss the upcoming PLL season as well as his passion for football and his favourite club, Chelsea. That's what we've got coming up in today's episode. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, Rob. Um, mm. Wow, mm. I'm still buzzing. I'm still buzzing from the Europa League final, mate. We, <laughs> yeah, we, um, we've just we've just witnessed mm. that, and there's a yeah. little delay to the recording of this because of the penalties that went on forever yeah. and ever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, my goodness, the penalty 11, shootout was eleven was, ten. Yeah, it was miles more entertaining than the game. But we will yeah. go. We'll, we'll start at the beginning, Rob. And uh, mm. well, just just with the, let's start with the lineup, Rob, and the decisions that he made. Yeah. Um, what do you think was his starting lineup? Well, let's, let's start with the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, yeah. David De Gea over um, Henderson, Dean Henderson. Um, I felt okay with it. I kind of, it, 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 it told me two things, Rob. I think De Gea played, played so far in the competition and not done anything wrong, and he wanted to reward him. And I think yeah. keep the door open. Yeah. I think in the other respect, and I'm talking personally, and you can have your own view. Dean Henderson hasn't wowed me with his performances that I go, I've got to put him in. It's such a big game. It's a big moment for him, and he's going to step forward. I'm still unsure if Dean Henderson is quite right to be ready at this stage of being uh, Manchester United's number one goalkeeper. Um, and so because of those things, I was kind of okay with the decision, Rob. Now, I don't know what your thoughts were on that one, and we'll move forward maybe to then uh, the centre-back position. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I um, 
I'd be a little with Dean Henderson's done nothing to to make me think that he is he is absolutely the number one. Now I know Man United fans might be getting a little bit tired of David de Gea or feeling that he's not been his 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 best that they've had in previous seasons. And I understand that opinion, respect that opinion. I still think David de Gea is a better goalkeeper than Dean Henderson. We'll go on to talk about the penalties, etc., etc., etc. So yeah, I, I wasn't surprised when his name was on the team sheet and you mm. said that he'd been playing previous games before. Um, centre backs, I, I particularly like um, Twanzebi Rob. I mean, he started, yeah. uh, he came in later on, yeah. but it's Bailly yeah. and Victor Lindelof. Mm. Uh, again, defensively, we'll, we'll chat about what happened there with the goal. Luke Shaw, Wambasaka, normally, and big decisions yeah. as well, Rob, in terms of the midfield area. And Scott McTominay usually plays alongside Fred, pushing yeah. Pogba to the outside, and, and Rashford switches mm. to, the, to the other side. But he went with Pogba in the middle, along yeah. with Scott McTominay, which Given the, how the game started and the approach of Villarreal, which is a 4-4-2, very deep, very yeah. compact, very defensive, um, I, I, thought, I thought it was a good call. Good call. Get Paul Pogba from minute one, the prompting, you know, the ability that he has in the middle of the mm. park. Didn't think he had a brilliant game, by the way, which I no, want to get no. on to. Mm. But the, 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 the team lineup, I thought yeah. was pretty good, mate. Attacking lineup, Take Greenwood two. on the right. You know, much better. So it's interesting you say that because I, I had my little Pogba note and I actually think that's what, that's going to be his position, Rob. I, I sometimes think if I'm picking the best 11 Manchester United players, I love me a Fred and you know what? I, I like a little bit of what Fred does. But Paul Pogba is 10 Freds when he's on his game and can do what Fred can do, but can run the game. And as we'll talk, didn't quite have, I didn't think the offensive side to his game as well in his passing range. But... They can Manchester United with a, a Pogba can play in that position with three players and, and a, a centre forward above him, and Manchester United can be successful doing that. I don't feel that we should have to like put Fred in, which chucks Pogba out to the left, that takes Greenwood out, that puts Rashford to the right, and all these changes. At the end of the day, Fred is done okay, but Fred's not the level we want to be. And if Pogba can play there and we can get him fit focused and playing well, Paul Pogba can run a, can, can run a game from there. I, I'm going to disagree. Um, and, and this isn't just based on this game, Rob. Mm. Um, Paul Pogba played in his preferred position in a role in a big game that he should... He disappointed me, really did in the game. Scott McTominay was so much better than Paul Pogba today. Now, mm. of course... I know that the capabilities of Paul Pogba are way above uh, Scott McTominay's and one game is one game. I'm just telling you how I saw it, Rob. I saw Scott McTominay doing everything from both sides. He tried to get forward. He got in behind. He had a couple of looks at goal. He defended really well with interceptions, key spots. He's physical. I like, I really like Scott McTominay. I'm not, I am not, you know, you say about the future of the club as Paul Bobber in the middle of the park. I just don't know if it is, Rob. I don't know if it is. Well, if you're going to go, <clears throat> yeah, go on. Go on, sorry. Finish it. No, finish it. Well, no, I, you know, there's talk about Declan Rice going to Manchester yeah. United. Yeah. Now, if you if you wanted to have, uh, I don't know, it, it, a Declan yeah, I put Rice, Rice next to Pogba. I put well, Rice I don't know, next yeah, to Pogba. I, I just, I, what, what, what? I'll, I'll make my point and then I'll let you come back because I hear what you're saying. I think it's a valid argument, and I, I, and I, and I'm, and I'm days like today make your arguments yeah. stronger. But what yeah. I what I would say, Rob, is Paul Pogba playing well in that role 
can be the player we want to be and gives Manchester United better options to be the team they can be going forward. How many times have you done it, Rob? How many times have you done it? I know that, but I'm just saying it's in him, Rob. And it's as a manager and as a club and as a set of teammates, we've got to get it out of him. We've got to motivate him because he's better than McTominay. He's better than Fred. He's on the level. Put him next to Declan Rice and those two start working. He's, he's better than Thomas Suchak. That could be a brilliant two. On, good, on, hot, on, on days when the opposition are good, he might have to sit in a bit more. But he's big. He's physical. He can head a ball. He can run. He can tackle. And on days when they're dominating possession, he can go and have a little join in and, and enjoy himself in, in a couple of spots. I just think, I, I, I kind of feel, if we don't play him there, Rob, you're squeezing him somewhere on that yeah. left-hand side, but he ain't going to chase a fullback. Well, we squeeze him down the right, and, and again, he wants to come in field and, and not... He doesn't want to do those jobs necessarily. You get the good of him there, but you don't get when the fullback goes flying on and, and you go, oh, well, Pogba's not going to go with him. It, 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 so so it, it, that, that furthers my point, Rob, really, where, where Pogba, you, you, you're always... You're always... There's always got to be a consequence of being the side. And if he plays in the middle of the party, you worry about him not tracking runners. Listen, let... let, let if United, Man United want to get to where they want to get, which mm. is the very top of, of, yeah. of the Premier yeah. League and the very top of European football, mm. I still, you know, I can see generating some revenue by selling Paul Pogba wow. this summer wow. and you get good, 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 good money for Paul Pogba. Mm. You Goodish. can maybe... Goodish. Yeah, yeah you, could, you can then think about spending the money on Harry Kane or spending the money on, on, on Rice or other players and have, have specialists in the wide positions. Something I mm. do want to touch on today was United's disappointment from the wide areas. Oh, Marcus Rashford, by the way, is, is a conversation, Nobby Musto. Well, again, it's like... Today. I, you know, it, it, he's a player like not many others for me that, that I guess a little bit like Pogba, that I, I watch him and I think, what an unbelievable talent. But mm. then... Too many times you don't get what you expect. Greenwood on the other side had a, again had a quiet game. Um, yeah, he's, I, a young, he's younger, and probably, yeah. you know we've got to give him a little bit more time. My, my note, my notes on the wide players, Rob, was these two players are very similar in the fact they need space. They yeah. got, they, they excel in space, space in behind, counter attacking space, yeah, getting yeah. out wide and having space. Mm. When there's yeah. two banks of four like that, I I, I I wrote down like United are lacking cleverness. Bruno's yeah. got bags craft. of cleverness. Craft, yeah. But, yeah, craft from wide areas, Rob. From mm. wide areas. Like a like Well, Unai Emery, in fairness, blocked him back, didn't he? He almost had six at time. He has his wide players dropping back in as yeah, well. Really and deep. saying there's no space. There's no space behind. You can have the ball in front, mm. which, they, mm. which they did. And, and, and as you say, it caused Ollie a problem, uh, in, in all honesty. It caused Manchester United a problem. Um, Cavani's... Uh, Cavani's at the other level. There was a couple of things with Cavani, and the goal was 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 like something to to admire the the, the ability to stay on side. You know, the, yeah, the, the speed quickly. of run to come back five yards to get a tap in going one yard that way is like mm. top end. But I tell you what, I liked more than anything, Rob. Today he was upset with what was going on. He was mm. barking with his teammates. He was urging people on. He was running back and making tackles. Here's a guy who's at the end, where, at the stage where you're thinking, well, you know, is he going to go back to South America? He's maybe had a great career in Europe and been this great striker. He wanted that win more, as much as any Manchester United player today. And I just thought there was a little bit that I liked in him that, he, that I wish Marcus Rashford had, that I wish we see more from Paul Pogba that Mason Greenwood's got to grow into. When you get mm. to a final and you're Manchester United, you've got to win it. 
you've got to mm-hmm. want to win it. You've got to put everything all out to win it. And you could mm-hmm. just see that he was a bit disappointed that people weren't getting to that level, weren't quite getting to the, you know, a major final. And it didn't seem as important maybe as it should have done. I think it was, uh, we saw some emotion from Bruno Fernandes. You talk about people mm. that wanted it and players that yeah. wanted it and talked to, I mean, Bruno talks all the time about mm. he's come to United to win trophies and to win. This club should be winning. And that's what United should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, again, it's difficult. Unai Emery had a, had a really good, <laughs> honest game plan. We ain't going to beat United in an open game of football with a talent yeah. individual. We get that. So he set it up very defensive. And it made it difficult for Bruno to get on involved in the game that much in terms of creative side of it. Were you in any way, I want to talk about defence defense in a second, but mm. is there anything more that the manager could have done today, Rob? We know the attacking lineup was was made sense. Is yeah. there any kind of... Uh, tactical cleverness, changes, system yeah. change, ro- uh, sort of player movements they might have worked on to break mm. down a stubborn back line because it's not the first time we've seen United no. struggle against no. a deep defensive block. Could could they have done anything different to try and upset that? And, uh, and listen, I mean, we know how hard we, it is sometimes. Yeah, we, they lacked a little bit of that rhythm and thing. When when they look at the the the, the, the better teams who we see, you almost see rotations of position. You see Bruno maybe going out on the right and, and one of the wide players coming in a little bit, or those two coming underneath the number 10, the number ten, and Bruno maybe going out, out into one of the wide areas. With play. I just felt they got stuck in, in spaces where they got blocked down with numbers. There was no real kind of rhythmic passing in, in, the, in the attacking third. Um, you know, Rashford's trying to do his stuff down the left and getting blocked off. Green was doing it down the right, setting it back to Wan-Bissaka most times. Bruno's getting frustrated because he's, he's not got the movement ahead of him that he wants. He can't get on the ball in the areas that he wants. So a tight, deep defence that we've seen United struggle with over, over the course of the season slows United down and it's something they've got to start thinking about. You know, and, and when for 90-odd minutes of the game, he didn't go to his bench because he must have looked to his bench and didn't know mm. maybe Daniel James's pace might just give you something different on one of those days. But there isn't an awful lot there, Rob, which is in contrast to, I was just thinking, that's Man City on a day like that. You can go and bring on Sterling, Jesus, Aguero, Torres. Yeah. So the level of what they can go to, United aren't there yet. And that's one of the things, that's one of the gaps they've got to close. Defensively, Rob, Harry Maguire... Missed the game. Um, We knew it was going to be a big miss. We've talked about Victor Lindelof and Eric Abaye playing. Victor Lindelof, again, on the set piece, the goal that they concede, is just half a yard behind his man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've seen this too many times, Rob, and this is why, you know, the spine of the team, Man United, centre midfield player, Mm. centre back, Mm. now they've got Cavani, maybe, we'll see. It's a real problem, Rob, isn't it? The centre-back position. Yeah, it's been, it's without... been a problem for a long time, Rob. And, mm-hmm. and we've been kind of putting a band-aid on it with a little bit of Lindelof and some, yeah. you know, OK performances and say, well, maybe Lindelof is the guy. And then we mm-hmm. see a little bit of Bailly come in and be physical when a couple of times we say, well, maybe he's the other. The, the real answer is, Rob, we're short. We're, they're short. They're short yeah. of where they need to be. And I know that the, the runners come in... The, um, Moreno's made the run off short, cut inside. He's got the wrong side of Lindelof and is able to hold him off and gets his goal. That doesn't happen with a top with a top by side. He's almost on on his shoulder 
looking across your shoulder to see that run. As that run comes, he's blocking that guy off. You ain't going to get to the ball. Either either we both don't get the ball or I get a block in. And mm. that level of defending, that step up that we've seen with the Ruben Diaz, that we saw what Virgil van Dijk did to Liverpool. Manchester United, despite all that, you know, we need the Harry Kane and what else we need if it's a Jadon Sancho, has to go and get a real centre-back to partner Harry Maguire if they want to be serious, Rob. Because mm. they'll, yeah. they'll still score goals and they're going to they're let they're going to let goals in. That that partnership is not good enough to go and win a title. Yeah, I know they're interested in Paul Torres, Rob. Paul Torres, yeah, played today. Yeah. Uh, mm. uh, Raul is a player that I remember commentating on. A yeah. experienced defender had a big game at centre back. Job, doesn't he? Yeah, Real. Um, just, just like. Man United running out of ideas, Rob, at the, towards the end of, in the second yeah. half. The game, you know, I can understand it, right, in the first half when VRL mm. have dropped off. But the second yeah. half and into extra time, the game was open. That's where I was most disappointed with Manchester United. In an open game against Villarreal, where, were, where was the creativity? Where was the, the quality that we were promised? I mean, like, it, how, 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 how much is this at the door of Oliver and Solskjaer? Uh, is it is it still a evolving team? He's made yeah, some good recruitment. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the team's got better in certain areas. Yeah, it's obviously not there yet, Rob. Villarreal, no, I think, was seventh, no. seventh in La Liga. Yeah. They got a tiny. It's like this David beating Goliath today in, in yeah. Europa, a major, the first European or first major trophy for Villarreal. Um, tremendous little club in a, in a small yeah. small town. Um, does this affect Oregon Solskjaer's kind of? You know, I, I heard the uh, in the pregame show on the on TV saying that this is a must-win for the United manager. Mm. He's got to win. Yeah. He's got to beat yeah, Villarreal yeah. in his final yeah. for his own mm. credibility, his first trophy, Manchester United. Is it, it, is it, it starting to encourage the, the, the like, detractors from the yeah, manager? It, it, it starts to again ask the question, is Oli the right guy? Mm. Second in the league, progress. Well done, mm. second in the league. Now it was about... You know, he's been a semi-final man for so far. Now it was about, you know, taking him above a Pochettino in the, in the conversations, winning Europa League. I've won Europa League and got a second. And, and, and I've been there. You know, Jose Mourinho would say, you know, he won a, a Europa League at the football club and, and, and got a trophy. Manchester United, and this isn't the trophies that Man United want, but it's part of the progress. It's going to get Manchester United to titles and, and the big trophies and Champions League trophies that they want. So by not winning it, 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 it allows those discussions still to be had. Is Ollie going to get us over line? Is he going, is it, can he take us to a winning group? And I read a couple of things this morning, I was just reading before the game and that, and, and somebody said, I worry about Manchester United in this game. And it was an interesting thought. They said, they're not good favourites. They're not good ahead. When mm-hmm. they, he said, they almost will have to go a goal behind before they yeah, start playing. up. To mm. liven up, and he said, "That's not what champions do. No. Champions on big games go and dominate the match and put Villarreal to the sword and have them gasping with playing." Yeah. He said, "That is New United all, and that's mm. the mentality that they've got to get to start to close the gap." Yes, mm. we've seen progress. Yes, there's a better side now, and there's some good parts to it, but they're mm. still not there, Rob. Where yeah. I don't think we're looking. I'm thinking starting next season, United are ready for a title. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see the summer, Rob, who they try and mm. buy in different spots. Yeah. It's kind of clear, you know, the way that European football worked out from the Champions League to this and, and the disappointing end to it, uh, obviously they're not there yet. Just let's yeah. move on to the, the, the um, I guess, the penalty shootout. 
I mean, like, yeah. I couldn't, it was like amazing watching, wasn't it? I mean, I, like, nobody yeah. was missing. Yeah. The goal, the goalkeepers, Rob, there's mm. quite a few I thought were like, what, well, that, that, that's kind of saveable. It should have been shot. Uh, yeah, they, 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 they both weren't very good, were they? I mean, De Gea's, De Gea's got a bad record. I think 2017, last time he saved one, just not particularly good, which is a bit weird. Mm. Um, Villarreal goalkeeper's got his hand to probably four. And, and not kept one out, and you know the more yeah. we go. I know there were some good, some quality ones as well. It was interesting. So again, as we get to the, the penalty shootout, the more we're there, and, and I'm trying to just, you know me, I'm like, play what what's going on in people's head. In my head, as I'm watching, I'm thinking, advantage Real Madrid, uh, Villarreal, sorry, because we're now at penalty shootout. Manchester United, if they played the, the final well, would win the game. Yeah, yeah, they should have won the game. To get to a penalty yeah. shootout means that Villarreal have done well. Yeah. And I'm already thinking, like, feels like there's a bit more pressure on United now. It's, yeah, where, you, it's, where, it's where Unai Emery, Unai Emery probably wanted to be. Yeah. So we can take Man United to penalties. And he won his last one for, for Sevilla, I think, on penalties. Yeah. I, I mean, I... The substitutes came in, you see, at the end of the game. I'm like, yeah. oh, well, these are all the penalty takers. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, every one of them... Like, yeah. took them really well. Like, and yeah. yeah, they really, yeah. really good penalties until the end where Ruli bangs into top corner mm. David De Gea, who doesn't come across as the most confident guy in the world. No. You know, it's a slow run up. I mean, we should, I mean, we're, not bl- we're not blaming David De Gea for, no. you know, missing. I mean, I've never, I can't remember the last time I saw it, like, go to 11 penalties. Everybody yeah. in the, yeah. the, the team at the end of the game took a penalty and it was just David De Gea, the final one. So mm. it's pretty remarkable fight, the penalty shootout. I've got to say, one of the best I've seen. Yeah. Um, but again, it was just like, you know, the disappointment of David De Gea afterwards and the whole narrative with him and Dean Henderson mm. and where he's going to be in the summer. Yeah. It was just, does, you does know, affect feel... that, Rob? Do you think in any way the, the, the penalty, because as, as, as he took it and missed it and you feel for him and obviously, you know, some goalkeepers are more confident doing it. I know Edison's had three arguments sake. He wants the fifth one if, you, if City are doing it. Mm. You know, he's that guy. But I'm just wondering in the, in the kind of De Gea debate, discussion, is he that? Is he our number one guy? You know, is he still? Does this slightly affect that? Well, I think the only way it might affect it, Rob, is is I'm not talking about the, the, the kick that he missed. Yeah, I'm talking yeah, about the ones yeah. that he should have saved. I mean, there was I thought there was a few that he could have saved. But yeah, and 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 but if you if you add that to okay, he wasn't great on any of the ten, and then he misses one. We're not saying mm-hmm. the kick because that's sort mm-hmm. of but it's that whole aura around this goalkeeper now. He used to be the guy who saved us 15 points a season. He used to be... Does it, it kind of starts to feel like he's not that guy anymore. He's not that indispensable guy that yeah. used to save us goals or win us games or whatever. I just mm. felt that that might be something. And I don't know how things are going to play out and where he's going to be. I mean, one highest paid players in the league. So United, you know, are not just going to get rid of him cheaply if they are deciding to, to go. 30 years of age, only 30 years of age. There's still some some years left in him. My last comment about goalkeeper situation there, Rob, is that David De Gea, the first half of this season, mm. I thought was playing well. He made some mistakes, didn't he, last year? Yeah. Publicised yeah. mistakes, yeah. and it wasn't him, balls going through his hands, mm. etc. I thought he got his head in pretty good spot this season. I yeah. thought he, he played pretty well, and all of a sudden, Dean Henderson started to get a look in. Dean Henderson mm. got a run of games. Well, didn't he, he, went, he went away from his baby's birth, didn't he? Which was kind That's of it. the thing that opened the door for, for right. Henderson. And yeah. I don't know whether it's benefited either goalkeeper, mate. 
Mm-hmm. Either goalkeeper. Yeah. Are we, are we any better saying, off? Yeah. yeah. Are we any better off? And now I feel like Man United have got a goalkeeping issue. They've got mm-hmm. a goalkeeping issue where, yeah. in my opinion, and again, United fans might disagree with me, they've got a pretty good goalkeeper in David De Gea. Did he have a rough season? Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. I thought he was mm-hmm. in pretty good form this season. All of a sudden, Dean Henderson goes in and there's all talk about Dean Henderson's the new number one. And yeah. now that there's an issue there. Again, I still think there's something going on behind the scenes with his family, David De Gea. Yeah. Whether he might have said that he right, preferred to go back to, go to Spain, back to Spain yeah, with his, his partner and his baby, yeah. Partner and baby are over mm. there. And, mm. and and then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer obviously has to look for another goalkeeper or, or go in a different direction. We'll find out in the summer. But it was yeah, um, yeah, yeah disappointing yeah. day for United, Rob. All those United yeah. fans go there and mm. the expectation and the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the first trophy and the start of many yeah. more is, is what the manager said. Um, the great Sir Alex to hand it over, wasn't it? Yeah. Sir Alex is there to hand the trophy and he's handing it to, to Villarreal. Yeah. But just before we move on, I just think we do have to give a little mention to Nai Emery and Villarreal, the first European final, the first trophy they've won with a team that, as you say, it's a bit David and Goliath. I think they're, they're seventh in, in, in La Liga yeah. this season. Um, and had a game plan, Rob. And, and, you know, ahead of us talking about the Champions League final and how, you know, for me, City will, will be quite strong favourites. You just never know in a final. And if, mm-hmm. if a team are well set up, if a team believe in what they're doing, if, they, you know, if, if the, 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 the favourites don't make the most of the possession and, and, and turn it into good chances, mm-hmm. things, can, things can change. And I, I just thought, you know, it, it was a, the hard work that Unai Emery does in terms of shape and discipline and not having the ball and working hard out, out of possession, I thought all came to fruition. It slowed United down, made them very predictable. I think they only had two shots on target in, in the whole um, 120 Twelve. minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, is pretty good going. Yeah, I, I, um, I did listen to uh, some pre-match talk and there's open training sessions before these big European games. And apparently mm. Villarreal and Unai Emery were, were working, as you'd expect, yeah. on defensive shape and counter-attacking. Mm. So it, it obviously was something that we knew was going to happen. I think United team reflected that, the attacking nature yeah. of it. But still, that Achilles heels of Man United to, to really pick ways through teams mm. um, when they sit back was a problem again. And uh, yeah, absolutely absolutely right. For, for a manager yeah. that got a little bit, a little bit ridiculed in, in England, mm-hmm. he's knocked out Arsenal and he's now beat Man United in, in an amazing final on penalties. Yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty amazing for him. That's his fourth, yeah, it's his fourth Europa fourth League title. Europa League, yeah. Which is, he's a legend. He's a legend of that. Yeah, name the let's, let's, let's get him to Tottenham, my friend. Let him go and win a title there. Let's, <laughs> give rivals. let's move on to the Champions League final, mate, because that's a big one that comes up at the weekend. Um, Manchester City versus Chelsea. <laughs> We've got some odds from our partners, Points Back Sportsbook, who give us the odds for the big game. And they have Manchester City to win minus 115. They have the draw at plus 240. And they have a Chelsea win at plus 340. So, pretty pretty strong odds for them that Manchester City get it done at at minus 15. The draw, I assume, after 90 minutes is at at plus 240. Mm. And a Chelsea win at plus 340. Mm. Yeah, I, I would I agree with those odds, Rob. I think they're pretty accurate. Um, I think most people will see Man City as favourites, mm-hmm. particularly the way that, you, that Chelsea have just dropped off a little bit. The, the defensive side of things have just looked a little weaker of late. Um, but uh, it, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. Mm-hmm. We know that the couple of injury doubts for Chelsea, Edouard Mendy, the goalkeeper, and N'Golo Kante, yeah. apparently fully trained today, Rob. 
I mean, Angola Kante is so important. It's yeah. so, so, so He worries me, Chelsea. Rob. I've got to be honest. That, that one worries me. And that, I, listen, I don't know. And Chelsea might be right, you know, fully trained and all that. A hamstring that we believe is seems to be the problem. Mm. Can fully train tomorrow, not be great. Saturday morning, wake up. First 15 minutes of the game, which he came off early, the, the, the last game. Worries me a little bit, mate. I've got to be honest. Because he's so key, as, as you were saying, to, to the it's whole just, setup. Uh, but he's got to play, any. Yeah, yeah, if he, yeah, if, 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 if he's done, if, if, if it happens down, again, it's down. a risk yeah. you've got to take, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. There aren't many times we'd say that. There's not many no, times no. you'd say, you, say, you know, yeah. but this is a big deal. Yeah, mm. if it makes it worse, then so what? I got, I got a few, yeah. you know, a few weeks to uh, to recover now. But yeah, I, I, hopefully for Chelsea, he'll be fit. Yeah. I think for, for, for City, I think the team pretty much... Pretty ready to go, aren't they? Pretty ready to go. I checked their injury report. There's nothing... Nobody's got a problem there. Um, which which so makes me think, Mr. Musto, and this is in the life of football, everything's so rosy for Man City. I've, I've got to put a dollar <laughs> on Chelsea at plus 340. <laughs> I've got to put a dollar on Chelsea. It's just how it goes, mate. It, and football mm. never runs like we think it is going to do. Timo Werner yeah. has a day where he stays on size, gets a hat-trick and they win 3-1 or something. I don't know. It's just... No, you're right. You're right. I mean, I, in terms of what Pep... Is likely to do, and and, and I just I'm just going to touch on this, Rob. That, that to get to this point, yeah, it's been a four four two with two mm. midfield players as the yeah. two strongest. Yeah. yeah, right now that's been pretty obvious, particularly in the Champions League. Mm. Is there a Pep mind overdrive, yeah. overcomplicated, yeah, try something yeah. different? Mm. I I I. I'd be really surprised because it's worked yeah. so well. It's worked yeah. so well with, with Bernardo and Kevin De Bruyne dropping into that midfield area. And they they can enable possession. Mm. They can dominate. Um, but do you think there's... I mean, he's done this before, by the way. He has chucked yeah, it, 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 That's what yeah, he's done. The only reason I would say no, Rob, and, and I, I mentioned it in our broadcast at the weekend, and I think we, whether we mentioned it on our podcast, one of the key... Days for Man City winning the title was January. They went to Chelsea away from home and played that full time with the De Bruyne and not quite so much as the two, but De Bruyne and absolutely murdered Chelsea. It was Frank Lampard's Chelsea, albeit wasn't maybe as defensively settled, but ran all over and murdered them with shape, murdered them with possession, murdered them with chances. Foden scored. I think De Bruyne ran the game and was pulling people centre backs all over the place. It was Zuma on the day didn't know where to scratch his head or where where he was going. And I just think it's, it's a chance to not overthink it. And I also think because it's another English team, there they should be less inclination to do. I think against some of the different European teams, maybe different setups with different style of play. You've got to think, okay, what what aren't they, what don't they like? He knows what Chelsea are about. He's played them enough times. I mean, said that Chelsea have given a good account of themselves against City, and you know whether that starts to slightly play in the mind as well. So it, it is a challenge, but I, I don't expect. I'd be I'd be slightly disappointed, Robert, if we see any new Pep. So Joe Aguero came on uh, mm. against Everton and yeah. took two two lovely goals. Yes. He will definitely be used off the bench, Rob. There's no way that Pep might chuck him around. Bench. He's off the bench. He's off the bench. He doesn't start, Rob. He doesn't yeah. start. Yeah, this is too agree. important to Pep. Everything's too fine-tuned with what he's done. There's no way he's right. going to put Pep in, in back in and then Aguero with the three and change all that. 
as great as he is, he's a brilliant player to bring off if things aren't going well. If they are and you want another goal, he, he stretches in a different way. We've seen the finishing. We've seen the hunger. We saw the emotion with Pep, which was really interesting at the weekend when he talked about his love for him, how Aguero um, has helped him be a better manager. We definitely, I think, we'll see him on the pitch, but um, I don't see him in the starting lineup. But similar to Sterling Rob as well, I think he's now not in the first 11 of Manchester City, which mm. is it's a bit of a turnaround yeah. from the players' captain, who was, you know, a big part of everything they talked about. But People have matured and, and the Fodens and the Bernardo Silvers deserve their starts. Uh, Riyad Mahrez. I mean, how could you drop one of those guys? Just on, before, I want to go through the Chelsea team, Rob, but do you think yeah. Rodri Fernandinho? Remember, that was interesting. Yeah, right, in the last yeah, game, yeah, with yeah. experience. Yeah. Hmm. What, what are you thinking? Who's he going to pick out of those two? Tough call, isn't it? I think, yeah, I think he trusts Fernandinho. Hmm. I think he trusts Fernandinho a little more. Yeah. So Chelsea team, Rob. Yeah. Chelsea team. So we know this. This. I wonder again if he's going to be asked Pelicuacho as a wing back and Reece yeah, James and, and Reece James. Is. That's one yeah. question. Yeah. yeah. Is it going to be Ben Chilwell or Marcus or Alonso? And then the, the the forever question. I think obviously I think we, we think it's probably going to be Jorginho and Angola Kante if they're yeah, fit. Yeah. Maybe Kovacic. Kovacic is Kovacic is okay again. Back maybe. in. Yeah. Yeah. The front three. The front three. What, get into the mind of Thomas Tuchel. What What do you think he... Who might... He mount mount in. Mount in, like yeah. rubber stamp mount. Yeah, mount rubber stamped. Yeah, so we've got two spots. Spot yeah. two. Timo offside Werner. It's got to be in. Timo offside Werner. Offside Werner. It's got to be in. It's got to be in. Rubber stamp. The, the nature yeah, of counter-attacking Nuisance value. Yeah. So that leaves the last spot between three players, cool. really. Christian Pulisic, yeah. Hakim Ziyech, or yeah. Kai Havertz. Now, Havertz, I know, had, a, had an injury issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think he's okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let, let, so chew over that one. Oh, do we both agree that it shouldn't be Hakim Ziyech? I think yeah, it might be like, Ziyech. I think yeah. it might be. I think he might go Ziyech. I don't know why. For some reason, I think he likes Ziyech. Big games. Also, I, I would go Havertz, personally. I would go Havertz and I'd have Pulisic from the bench because I think he can affect a game probably better than any of the others from the bench. I know it's not what Christian wants. It's not what American football wants. But I think if that was me, I would do that. I think I can put Christian Pulisic on with 30 minutes and he can yeah. totally change a game. I'm not sure that Havertz does. Werner might do with his runs, but not in the same way. Christian Pulisic has got one of those abilities where he can pick the pace of a game instantly and raise it coming off the bench. That's, there's not many players who can do that. The left back for Manchester City often, I think it'll be Zinchenko. Mm. Yeah. And Zinchenko, right, I'm just thinking about the right-sided player. Right, because I yeah. think Mason Mount might be left mm. side. Yeah. Zinchenko is not an overlapping guy in this system. Yeah, so a, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe a, a Pulisic won't have to track back because Zinchenko doesn't do that. Rob, wouldn't he be yeah, better as much. to try and pounce mm. on counter attack and work Zinchenko more than Havertz? I mean, I, I, it's a it's a tough one. It's, it's a tough one, and I, 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 listen, I can make a I can make a good argument for him, and, I, and I'm not saying I wouldn't pick him. I'm trying to think what Thomas Tuchel thinks and how his mind is. In his head, for me, in his head, and he's talked about Christian, we've heard interviews and we've seen stuff. I just think he feels 
he's, he, I know I can pull off Christian off the bench and he can do something for me. I just mm. think, I don't know, I, I, again, and, I, and I've got no reason, I just think for somebody, he's got something around they liked about Ziyech in big games. How about, how about playing Kai Havertz as number nine and playing, yeah. and playing Timo Werner on the and right? Mike. To yeah. run in that, to run in that. I'm, I'm, all, goal I'm, goal. I'm, I'm all, I'm all around that. By the way, I'm all. I like Havertz as the main, as a, as a lead yeah. guy. Yeah, keep possession well, Rob. He, he, yeah, he's reliable. He, he nicks it a bit better than Werner's. A yeah. bit, bit miss, a bit hot. You know, he's he's a bit rushed with everything. And against City, when you get the ball, it's nice to be able to keep. You got to keep it. it. Yeah, you got to keep it. I think I think that with Zinchenko coming in there, if he does do that, mm. maybe he won't. Um, Werner could be pretty useful running yeah. behind. Yeah, in with that his area. Pace, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we'll, we'll find all out on Saturday, mate. Mm. I mean, it's, yeah. it's going to be fascinating. They know each other so well. There's an article, Rob. Mm. I think it was in which one was it? Was it the Athletic, where it talked about a meeting of Pep Guardiola that when they were both coaching in in Germany, and apparently it was oh, like yeah. a, a meeting of the minds in some cafe uh, or pub or something where they're sitting uh, down and they ask each other tactical questions. So they know each other really well. Yeah. Um, tremendous amount of respect for each other mm. and let's face it it's a blimmin tremendous game isn't oh, it? Saturday's going to be a tremendous it's, game it's yeah. a great game it's going to be fascinating however, however it might have to have a lot of game it's just going to be a fascinating yeah. tactical kind two of ta- setup two tactical yeah. technical guys yeah. who want to play football and, and it's yeah. about also the big thing with Chelsea Bob is they get chances they've got to take them yeah, for yeah. all their football, when which the they chances come, they, they, they haven't. Yeah, have that's going to be the difference maker. Yeah. If, they, if they can take the chances, they're, they're in with the shout. Just quick mention as well before um, we move on. A couple of things. Championship final is early on Saturday. Swansea versus Brentford. Just want to give that a little mention because Swansea, we've seen in the Premier League not that long ago. Brentford never been up, and, and it's a great club. New stadium in West London. Thomas Frankel, I think, uh, Frank's the, the coach. Very small, progressive uh, footballer. Mm. Got some good players in there. Ivan Tony, I think, sort of 31 goals now in the championship, beat the record. Mm. So, you know, a bit like another Ollie Watkins, people are saying, could come into the Premier League and do that. So that's just uh, Saturday before the Champions League. So it's yeah. another great game and obviously opportunity for one of them to be part of the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see Brentford as a team that we've not mm. seen before. And also mm. to add on to that, we know that they've got this kind of new age recruitment policy of, yeah. of stats-based money ball. Two, two technical directors who, who do all the recruiting. Right, two. right. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that, mm. that, that, that would be interesting. So, yeah, yeah. The, the, the richest game in football, that old chestnut always gets That's rolled what out. That's saying, yeah. You know, cause you get in the Premier League, you're going you're to be guaranteed a lot of money. So it's a massive game and... Uh, mm. It's a good shout, yeah. That's on the Saturday morning. Yeah, a couple of things happened in the managerial hot seats that might have some um, repercussions in the Premier League. Antonio Conte has left Inter Milan. We knew there was a bit of a fallout there between the ownership. I think they said he's got to raise seventy million and lower his wage bill by fifteen to twenty percent. And yeah. Conte is not a man who takes those things that lightly. <laughs> and as ever, I think they've said mutual um, position where they, they, they've decided to part ways. Just wondering, is there a seat, a warm seat anywhere in White Hart Lane side of London for Antonio Conte? Um, there would be. There'd be a lovely, a lovely sports seat in their lovely new stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I, I would imagine that Daniel Levy will be. Uh, I don't know. The more I think about it, I mean, he's a winner. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, he's a real winner. But he's a feisty. Wants money, 
I just don't know whether that, that Daniel Levy will want that sort of confrontational manager again, a little bit like Jose. I was going to um, say, is also, it a Jose part two? Yeah, maybe. But, and also, I don't, I don't know whether Antonio Conte will, would go there, Rob. It, no? A lot of work to, to do and um, different sort of players are there. I mean, I, do, you think he would, do you think he would take that job if offered, Antonio Conte? The only thing I would say is, and, and I know they were champions that he had at Chelsea and, and they'd you know, gone off the rails a little bit and when he took over there, but yeah. it didn't have change some players uh, and, and, and to Moses and, and Alonso and people. He went in and, and, and made you know, players. I'm just looking at some, because there's quality in there, Rob. We, we had, this, we had yeah. this discussion the other day and... You know, one or two right players and one or two additions. Obviously, if he has a bit of money, if Kane goes and he can spend it. I just don't think it's a job you, you go not interested. I think I would think he would at least want to inquire and see what, what the situation is because he is a winner and he gets yeah. things done. He doesn't last too long and he sometimes is a bit abrasive and, you know, falls out with people. But that's what it takes to, you know, I think they were prepared to put up with Jose and he didn't bring the titles. Conte has recently won a title in, in, in the Premier League with, with Chelsea and maybe would want to show he could do it again. So I think that's an interesting one for me. I know it's not maybe everybody's natural fit, but if I was Spurs, I'd be, I'd be all in to try and get Antonio Conte. There's a few erroneous reports that Mauricio Pochettino is a possibility mm, of him returning to, to, you, to the new stadium there. Are you having that? I mean, I'm not sure I'm having uh, that one. No, I'm not sure I'm having it. No, I don't see that happening. Zinedine Zidane, Rob. Mm. Uh, leaving Real Madrid, another big-time manager that's an incredible record in terms of the yeah. Champions League for, for uh, mm. uh, Real Madrid. Madrid yeah. uh, any, any thoughts of him coming to the Premier League? I think it would be more likely he'll go back to um, Serie A, possibly Juve if Pirlo has, has moved mm. on or they decide to do something there. Um, I mean, he'd be a great coup, wouldn't he, for to, to go in at Tottenham? Would probably mm-hmm. maybe more in keeping a, a, the philosophy of what Tottenham are looking for and a coach's type manager. But again, he's worked at the very highest level with a very top level of players. Is he going to want to come in and, and, and do some of the rigor that's going to be needed to get Spurs in the right spot? Again, I think I'd be interested if I'm Spurs. Um, you'd have to sell it, I think, to Zinedine Zidane in terms of of um, coming into a team that, that needs some work and is not ready quite yet to be challenging for titles. You wouldn't have to sell Man United, mate, if that job became available. No, he, but, he, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has just finished second in the league. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just trying to think of clubs in England with a, oh. that he might be interested in coming to. How is it done? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think we're seeing him. It's just like when these no, big-time managers no. become available, yeah. you... you in the Premier League, you know, we've got a lot of great mm. managers right now. We know that they'll be looking, clubs will be looking for other great managers to come into their football club. So, again, like ever, mate, this summer's going to be a fascinating one and we'll see what happens yeah. with uh, new managers and, and of, of course, new players. Always, mate. So, plenty of action still to go in the uh, in this season with the Championship and the Champions League final. That does it for this part of the episode. Next up, we're going to be joined by Premier League Lacrosse League founder, to get his thoughts on the upcoming Premier League lacrosse league season and, to, and his take on his favourite Premier League club, Chelsea. Next up, we'll be talking to Paul Rayville. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We now welcome in Paul Rabel to the Two Robbies podcast. Our loyal listeners will remember Paul joining the pod last season, so you might already be familiar with him. As not only the co-founder of the Premier Lacrosse League, but also one of the greatest lacrosse players ever. Paul, yeah, thanks for joining us again. You were last on the pod, I believe, around the start of the 2020 Premier Lacrosse League season. You're joining us again ahead of the 2021 season. Reminder that all 44 Premier League Lacrosse League matches will this season be broadcast on the NBC Sports Family Networks, NBC, NBCSN and Peacock. Just Starting off, Paul, I'll just go, Rob, with the first yeah. one. The first game is on June the 4th when your new team, Cannons LC, take on Redwoods LC at the Gillette Stadium. The game will be on air on Peacock at 7pm Eastern time on June the 4th. Last year, the Premier League Lacrosse League had to be shortened due to the COVID pandemic. So how will this season be different? Obviously, we've seen the Premier League sort of been condensed, but we've got the 38 games in. How do you see this season for yourself in the lacrosse league? Yeah, well, it's great to be back, guys. Uh, love your show. And I think we were able to accomplish a lot uh, on lead into the 2020 season. So the difference now is that we're back to our original model in 2019, which is a tour-based model. So we're mm-hmm. still going to get all 44 games in. Last year, it was 20 games. Uh, so it's truncated. I think what's exciting since we've last spoken is that yeah. uh, part of the unveil of the Premier Lacrosse League was in competition with the former league, Major League Lacrosse. This offseason, we were able to complete a merger with them. So a bit like the NBA, ABA, or NFL, AFL, we're still the PLL, tucked their teams into ours. We expanded by one. That's the team that I'm on now, Cannons Lacrosse Club. They were formerly the Boston mm-hmm. Cannons which was the team that drafted me back uh-huh. in 2008 when the whole thing started. So mm-hmm. uh, so kind of full circle moment. We're playing in Gillette uh, that Friday night. The other thing that we did this season is we've added more games per weekend. So okay. there's five games every weekend that fans in that market going to that venue can watch. So it feels more of that you know, kind of F1 style meets Final Four in, at the NCAA rank. So mm-hmm. we're back to normal. Uh, okay. We're going to see more fans in stands as we play. I was going to say, is that, is that you're going to get more fans in? Because that's the one thing I was just going to say. You know, we've seen in England with the Premier League, if you haven't got the fans in, it's just a very different product. Yeah, as we've seen towards the end of the PL, is is mm. when you now have fans in stands, that you get that vibe back. You get almost like the, the home away, uh, yeah. two and a half point, three point favorite 
uh, build in, at least in uh, in the NBA or in the NFL, they have that three point baked in favorite when you're the home team. So you get the uh, you get the vibe as a player, get the vibe as as a community of sport, which you always want. And uh, each of our venues have certain capacity restrictions, but we're seeing those increase as uh, as we play into September. Paul, you just talked about it, uh, your new team, Cannons LC. Uh, it's a new team to PL this season, as well as a new team for you personally. Can you tell us a little bit more about the team and the excitement of joining an expansion team? Yeah, well, I mean, it was a bit odd. And it, 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 I felt, to be honest, I was in a, a precarious position as one of the co-founders of the league, um, getting traded from the team I was on for the first <laughs> season. But that all happened before the expansion draft. So I was the only player on the Cannons roster for the first two weeks. And then uh, we had our expansion draft. But I get to play with some familiar faces. One of the legends in the game, Brody Merrill, who's an all-time defender. And then one of the best players in the world now who heralds from the Onondaga Nation. He's an Iroquois player. His name's Lyle Thompson. Um, and he plays opposite the net for me on the offensive end at X as an attackman. So it's going to be a lot of fun playing with some of these guys. Another guy that we picked up is Chris Hogan, who started his athletic career in lacrosse and then went out for the NFL and won a few Super Bowls with the Patriots, giving it another go back in lacrosse. So he'll be at training camp uh, this weekend. Wow. As somebody who's, who's overseen a large professional league, what have you learned around this time of the pan- pandemic? What what have been the good things you've learned? What are maybe some of the negative things you've learned about sport and lacrosse in particular? Yeah, well, one of the benefits was that we were, among a few other professional sports leagues, the only sport in town, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, and lacrosse, historically, like American football, basketball, even golf, is that college had been king preceding a pro game. And so when the NCAA wiped out all of their sports, you had a lot of lacrosse fans, there are 10 million in the U.S., that were maybe used to watching college lacrosse and then stopping Mm. their viewing appetite. And Memorial Day weekend, we're now looking forward to watch the PLL. So we picked up a lot of new fans. We also learned that our fans uh, really love lacrosse. So we had games on back-to-back nights for 14 straight days, and our viewership increased. And then we turned on sports betting, which is – probably the most familiar to uh, global football uh, yeah. as new to the U.S. And we drove a lot of new viewers uh, because of our authorized gaming operators and, and such putting out lines. So, again, Paul, just to follow on from that, like just, just the growth of lacrosse in the recent years, what, what are you seeing and what are you kind of envisage next, being, uh, giving it another boost to get another lot of fans on board? I mean, the way that – we talked about it in our last show and in the way that I explain it to new fans is that, you know, we're not, we were never trying to build a better mousetrap from what major league lacrosse had in place. We believe that we can be the next UFC or MLS. And the reason that they were able to grow in the positions that they were in way of total uh, equity in the market is that new media like streaming service providers like Peacock has enabled the opportunity for non-traditional sports leagues to reach new audiences. Hmm. And then technology like social media and just now millennials and Gen Zs, they have an appetite for more niche brands or long tail uh, craft products. So lacrosse for me, it's an interesting one because it's been around in memorial for thousands of years. It's a native American game that had never been professionalized or built a, a commercial enterprise around it. And we're doing that. So our hope is that we can increase the two and a half million participants and 10 million fans in the U S we're on path to becoming an Olympic sport. We're going to get a membership vote, hopefully in June for the LA 2028 games. 
There's now 60 countries that play. So we're trying to capitalize on all that growth. Absent from the other conversations when it comes to American sports, like American football and all of like the challenges of contact and what we're learning from a health and safety standpoint, lacrosse, much like soccer, is, is a safer team sport to play. And we know you're a big football fan, uh, and you will have seen one of the biggest stories that broke around uh, English football was the breakaway of a European Super League. As somebody who's a founder uh, of, of a professional sports league, what did you make of that? And is there a danger that at some point Cannons and five others go off and want to create a Super <laughs> League in the, in the lacrosse? I mean, it's, it's a... We took a lot. Oh, I'll start again. We took a lot of stock in what we saw take place because essentially, guys, like what was happening in the Super League is that you're taking the most valuable assets, the most valuable properties mm. in global football, and you're saying, "Hey, we have the local community that's been built over generations, but these clubs have fans around the world, and we're going to bring that to the world in a different tournament where we can capitalize." At the mm-hmm. time, their perspective was all the revenue that gets prorated and distributed amongst clubs that have lesser value. Let's keep all that to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we made a bet and didn't tie cities to our now eight clubs. We just believe that because lacrosse is now played globally, that if mm-hmm. we were to localize it by having eight cities instead of eight global brands, that yeah. that could detract from our growth. So I get what they were doing. But one of the things that I tell people is if, if professional lacrosse had – you know, genealogical equity and revenue tied to it like global football does, yeah. Mike and I would have tried to buy a team. We wouldn't have started a new yeah. league. Ridiculous to start a new league. Um, <laughs> and so it kind of felt like they were really fracturing the history of the yeah. global game. Yeah. They didn't get it, I don't think. I don't think they quite got what it means to the people in England, that, that, right. like that history and, and that connection. Yeah, yeah. And, and the whole pyramid part of yeah. promotion, relegation, yeah. and jeopardy for poor performance and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's the thing. You had a bunch of uh, capitalists in there that have yeah. done a lot of legwork in growing the enterprise value of global football. Mm-hmm. But sport is so intricate. And that's the thing that we found out, too. And frankly, guys, like if, if we continue to track the path to success, we're going to revert our business to a city-based model. But right now, what we're doing is growing the game at the top level, and then we concede it down at the bottom of the pyramid. Well, we've got to ask you about your favorite Premier League team, Paul. We know you're a big Chelsea <laughs> fan, and we're recording this before <laughs> the Champions League final at the weekend. Um, just give us what are your thoughts like with the new manager, Thomas Tuchel, coming in and changing things defensively? They're looking, they're looking very good. They did get into the top four just about on the final day. What's your thoughts on Chelsea and the new manager? Yeah, I love that they held in the top four on the final day. I, I think Thomas has uh, brought, um, you know, a, a lot of tactics to the team. I love Frank Lampard. We talked about Frank Pryor, um, you know, a year ago. And I, I'm sure I'm partial to my time as a Chelsea supporter when he was on the <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I like that Thomas was in a Champions League final, obviously uh, won the quadruple with PSG and knows what it's like to win. And he seems to have the spirit captured of the players. Um, and so I think it was, a, it was a great hire. Obviously, like ESG and him had some, um, some fractures relationally. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Roman Abramovich isn't uh, unfamiliar with that. So we'll see how long he lasts. <laughs> I mean, he can do like 15 managers or so. Yeah. Here, so um, it's good. I mean, they're in the Champions League final. So what else do you want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Obviously, the goal scoring has been a bit of a problem, but I want I want to send your attention on a, an American player, Christian Pulisic. What have you made kind of his bit stop start season, and and what what where do you think the future? Do you think he's got the capabilities of holding down a regular place in that Chelsea team? I mean, they gave him the number ten. Uh, he's Captain America for us. Is he yeah. our Rooney? No, I don't think so. But he's probably the closest to it. I mean. I, I see he's um he's 22 and and when Wayne was you know uh, first um on the pitch in the PL he was 16 with that hit he had yeah. for Everton I remember yeah uh, yeah it was it was a wonder shot and uh, and I I so I mean look like England's so far advanced mm. and historically in in the global game compared to the U.S. but I don't think we've ever had a player uh, of this magnitude having this much success. Uh, at a young age, um, inconsistency I think is is part of uh, the the growth and being flung into the global stage. I mean, the guy yeah. like, wants to take on the role that Eden Hazard had, and mm-hmm. um, you know he's got a new manager and a new team. Um, that's pretty ambitious. So I think he's faring quite well. Had a yeah. goal against Madrid in the Champions League semis, and that that assist uh, a couple weeks ago. So. Um, I think you're you're uh, just like in the entertainment business. You're as good as your last play or your last movie, mm-hmm. and and in that regard, he's pretty freaking good. <laughs> nice. Listen, Paul, um, your own podcast, Suiting Up with Paul Rabel, features many really interesting guests. Now, I know recently you've had Abby Wombach on the show. Um, what can you share with us from that conversation? Abby was a spectacular guest. Uh, we talked a lot about her career after football, but while she was in it, one of the things she shared with me that uh, I retained as a, as a goal scorer, but nowhere near the goal scorer she was, is just the, the idea of having to play with amnesia on the field. And the chances are so few and far between. And I know that what makes the beautiful game for me fun to watch is that teams win against the run of play. And yeah. if you have a goal scorer that is patient and has amnesia, like they can show up in the 90th minute as well as they could in in the ninth. Ideally you want to show up in the ninth and, and have a natural hat trick. But um, I think that that's what makes that game unique in her description of those moments and keeping the spirit of her team up um, on the national team stage, at least mm-hmm. quite regularly where she was and, and one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. That was a great segment. Paul, just, just to follow up on that, we're going to swing it back to the cross now, but just something you said there got me interested, where obviously in our football, a team can dominate, 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 and then the other team can go up there and score a winning goal, and, and, and that's good. Is it similar in lacrosse where you can soak up pressure and somebody can burst through and score a winning goal? Yeah, I, I think so. There's a bit more goal scoring in lacrosse, um, mm. but I would say like hockey is, is a bit more like football in that regard uh, because you can have a team that's taking, you know, 50 shots and the other team's taking 20 and the team of 20 ends up winning one nothing or 2-1. Hot goaltenders are probably the most valuable asset in the NHL when it comes to playoffs than they are in any other sport. But in lacrosse, what you can do is actually tie goals together because we have a face-off. So what you have is you catch momentum, you can play make it, take it. And if you're down by, you know, three goals – with two minutes left, that's just two possessions because we have a two-point arc. Oh, and those two okay. possessions can happen in 12 seconds. You score a goal, win the draw, take a step-down shot, and, and all of a sudden you're tied. So the swings can happen fast, but I don't think anything is quite like 
the run of play in football where you have a chess match taking place or a team controls possession and boom, a counter happens and everyone's head explodes. <laughs> Paul, I just want to take you back to um, the last time you did an interview with us, just after we, we'd done the interview, you put out a, a video of some of your soccer skills. Now, they always say in football, the test of soccer skills is maybe you're juggling and you're dribbling. But the real test of soccer skills is you're dribbling and you're juggling with a Robbie Musto tackle about to come. Uh, <laughs> just, just wondering how you would fare with a Robbie Musto tackle coming somewhere around knee high in his prime no. with your soccer skills. Are you one of those guys who, who doesn't mind a little bit of the rough and tough and can, can handle it? Or are you going to be rolling around 15 times on, on the field <laughs> like we've seen a few players? Uh, I'm I'm definitely more of the rough and tough guy, and I've uh, uh-huh. I've had to manage a lot of injuries as a result. My uh-huh. coaches over time in my professional career and, and teammates have been like, "Hey, you know, maybe avoid some contact in the way that you're uh-huh. dodging down the middle of the field." But it's it's how I've been able to uh, generate all of my goal scoring and assist opportunities. And I actually view it as if you can create your game around absorbing contact, then you mm-hmm. can get your shot off. So we have this, you know, in lacrosse, you can check the person with your stick yeah. against your arm. And my view is like, if I can invite that check, I know that the next move they have to do is pull back again. And that's oh, what I So done. sometimes I'll actually uh-huh. sacrifice. A, a, a <laughs> uh, related to Robbie, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I would just try to kick the ball into space and, and try to and try to beat him with pace, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. probably yeah. quick <laughs> I'd still pull your shirt or something or chip you over or something. Right, I don't know. Right. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I just before, wondered, actually, uh, because, because I, on, I, was more of a, a, I was more of like an attacking midfield player, you know, a poor man, Frank Lampard. Robbie Musto was more of your Angolo Kante, sit there, win the ball for others. So we're just wondering, in terms of personality and, and style, which, which one fits best in, into the lacrosse framework? Or do you I, need I, a bit of both? If I... Um, if I my, one of my favorite players growing up and, and one that I uh, tried to emulate on my very short career in soccer was Yaya Torre. Oh, okay. Um, I, I just loved the, the size and his ability to protect, not mm. only all, but protect the, the, the run of play. And yeah. uh, it was brilliant. So that, that was the guy that I, I – and I always felt like he had, obviously, the skill, but the skill wasn't like Zlatan. Right, he yeah, was yeah, yeah. Like the ball wasn't stuck to his toes, <laughs> but um, no one could seem to get it off of him. He was impossible mm. to get the ball off of. So I think in in lacrosse, you know what's what's unique about it, it's it's a lot like football that you've got to have incredible athleticism and skill, and those are two disciplines that you have to practice and train for almost separately. And yeah. um, and you know you're going to get pushed off the ground off the ball if you're not strong enough, and if you don't have the endurance, and you're not going to be able to execute on the skill in the back half of the match. So um, you know, different than football, I'll call it if you're a receiver where you just train your strengths, yeah. uh, American football, I should say, um, you've got to have both to succeed at the pro game in, in our worlds. And, uh, and that skill is really important. And the last thing I'll say is in lacrosse, if you have amazing skill, you can use that as almost a point of athleticism. And take Lionel Messi, yeah. for example. His deceptive mm. skill is so powerful that it yeah. still makes him, at his age, in, in many cases, the best yeah. athlete on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Really oh, we love 
Yeah, it's a good point. We love Lionel Messi, um, the best ever, in my opinion, that ever played the game. Um, anyway, Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining our podcast. And of course, we have to remind viewers that the PL season starts June the 4th. So the big new season starts June the 4th. Um, all the very best of luck and hope you have yeah. a great season. Appreciate it, mate. We'll keep looking in. We'll keep looking in. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, thanks to Paul and good luck with the Premier League lacrosse season that starts on June the 4th on, on Peacock. So Manchester United lose on penalties to Villarreal in the Europa League final. So a disappointing end to Ollie and the Reds. They're going to have to dust themselves down and get ready to go again in the Premier League starts in August. That leaves us one big day on Saturday. It starts with a championship final as Swansea play Brentford and a Champions League final as Manchester City take on Chelsea to win their first ever Champions League title. Well, we'll be back on Sunday, May the 30th, where we view both those games and put a ribbon on what's been an action-packed season. But for now, I'm Earl. He's Musto, together with two Robbies. Thanks for watching and listening. Be safe, be healthy. We'll see you on Sunday. It's a good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night. Good night. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.